Beyond Apparent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy Autry. And I'm Chuck Mead, and I have the hiccups right now. <laughs> this is so... How can we record a podcast while Chuck has the hiccups? So I'll try to turn away from the microphone when I hiccup, but just in case it comes out. Yeah, if you hear funny so noises, sorry. it's him, not me. Okay, I'm going to try all the skills of getting rid of hiccups during this podcast at some point <laughs> oh no during this podcast i'm gonna scare chuck so bad <laughs> that he's gonna lose the hiccups it's gonna be awesome be prepared that sounds great we're continuing our conversation on talking to your kids about homosexuality and having that conversation with them should be ongoing but um, what does that look like today yeah so our communication with our kids we have to have open communication with our kids all the time. They have to feel comfortable talking to us about everything and anything that's going on. And we have to be comfortable talking to them about all the different areas of life, including LGBTQ, homosexuality, sexuality and gender in in general. Um, These have to be things that we're not afraid to broach with our kids and that they're comfortable talking to us about. And this is something that we have to develop intentionally. Um, We've been talking about that over and over again in our podcast, and um, it's as relevant to this topic as anything else. Um, There has to be comfortable, open communication with our kids. Yeah, so we last week we started by answering certain terms. When it comes to homosexuality, we talked about, you know, the definition of same-sex attraction, definition of gay, definition of homosexuality, and how those terms are important. And so, really, we were unpacking a lot of that terminology, but we want to start off from 1 Corinthians 13, because really, this should saturate our conversations with our kids. And uh, Chuck's not going to let me preach a whole sermon here, but uh, I love this passage. You've heard it a million times. Um, you've heard it at weddings and read it on uh, signs in people's homes. But the truth is, this word in the King James, it's translated charity. Um, this word is agape, and it means a love that's not earned, a love that is a choice by the person doing the action of loving. Um, And it's uh, a good definition for agape is the choice to cherish another person. And we are commanded by God to have agape love for every other human, to choose to cherish them. So that goes for our kids. Um, If they come to us um, and tell us they're struggling with same-sex attraction or that they think they're gay or whatever other thing, or the person or people that we might be talking about. That's what this word charity means. Um, If we look at it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself up, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Charity beareth all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Charity never fails. So if we're looking at how this applies um, to our children, if this is something they're going through, or other people as we're talking to our kids about homosexuality, this love applies to those people also. Yeah, here's the thing. We, we've got to remember that God gets to define love not us. 
The world doesn't get to define it. God created love, so he gets to determine it. And if we stop and think about it, this is obvious because, first of all, God is God. He gets to define everything. Second of all, the world, society, human, the human race, we've done a horrible job of defining love. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what it is. We think it's something you can fall in and out of. Um, we think it's something that you can't control, but it controls you. Um, we say we love ketchup, but we also say we love our children and our wives and football and we're completely confused about what this word means, um, but God's not. God is clear, um, and not only did he define it here very well, but he defined it with his actions um, by sending his son to die for the sins of the world. Yeah, so in this conversation about talking to your kids about this, whether maybe it's your kid that has come to you and said that you know I'm gay or they're with same-sex attraction— or you're just ministering to anyone. How do we, how do we handle this conversation? How do we handle ministering or being a friend to someone who has these struggles? And we've got to unpack. And starting with that, we can start with understanding biblical love and demonstrating it. Another uh, aspect of this conversation is as we're talking to our kids about homosexuality and people that identify as gay, have same-sex attraction, um, we apply this, these same ideas and the same concept of love to those people, which means um, belittling. And there's no room for talking about them as less than human. There's no room for, even away from these people, talking about them in a way that's not loving. So with that, and Jeremy mentioned and read this whole definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13, we've got to note that biblical love is not accepting of sin. Exactly. Um, Biblical love, it even said, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. The concept is biblical love doesn't celebrate sin. Biblical love celebrates and embraces truth. This is part of love. Sin is dangerous. So in being excited about sin or celebrating sin or even just accepting sin in the uh, life of in our own lives and the life of our children or other people that we're mentoring that's not love that's dangerous that's hurtful so we've got to understand that definition love them where they are along those lines it's unloving to tell someone that they can do whatever they want but we have to start as we're ministering to someone maybe whether they're identifying as gay or just declaring that they're struggling with this um with same-sex attraction we have to start from the place of love And um, we mentioned this in the last episode, but our priority must not be getting people out of an LGBT lifestyle, but getting them to Jesus. Yeah, because you are not the great heart changer. You are not the one who um, makes people into who God meant for them to be. He's the one who does that. Um, And he ultimately calls us to lead people to him. And draw and be part of drawing people to him and be part of calling people to him. That's our first responsibility. Now, when someone is a Christian, um, it is our job to build up other Christians and to have Christians, especially our own children, who we're leading and mentoring. Salvation is more important than that. Again, what would you say next? How how would we minister? Oh, how would we <clears throat> minister to someone or encourage uh, so someone? In very this? important that we understand dignity. The fact that um, this. A person who's struggling with a sin still has the image of God in them. They are still a human. 
and they still deserve respect and love. Yeah, so we've we start with the image of God. We that is our identity. We are children of God. That helps us understand that everybody has worth because they are a human being. Everybody has the image of God in them. So we have to be very careful in the way we refer to people who are struggling with or even identifying with this sin that they are made in the image of God. So we need to treat them as human beings. Exactly. Another concept that will apply is that we need to be able to have compassion um, for people uh, who are struggling with sins. Um, yeah, understanding where people are coming from, Jeremy. What if someone? What if would you? What would you do if someone told you that heterosexual attraction was a sin? How would you respond to that? Uh, I would disagree. I think. Well, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but it, but we've if we've got to understand. Obviously, we know like what God's word says, but someone who doesn't have a biblical worldview, they only are in tune with the culture saying about this. This is going to come as a shock to people. Um, they, this, some people have never heard this before. So we have to have compassion, un- understanding that when we, when people are aware of what God's word says. Yeah. And you put in the notes and I think I just embrace my agreement with this concept, not just compassion, but empathy. Mm-hmm. This isn't just, Hey, I feel I suffer with you for what you're going through. The word compassion literally means to suffer with someone. Um, I care about you, so you're hurting. I'm hurting for you. But empathy, the English word empathy, means I understand what you're going through. And when I'm first thinking about this, I don't understand that. This isn't um, a desire, a, a temptation that I've experienced, but I have experienced the temptation to do things that are wrong. And I need to embrace the fact that there's some parallelism there. There's some some similarities there and have empathy for a person who is suffering from a temptation. And if I'm being honest, there have been times that I've had a temptation that I didn't think was wrong. And I've had um, brothers and sisters in Christ help me understand that this practice was sinful. I've walked that path before. It wasn't this same sin, but I've, I've experienced it. So there should be something in me that would allow me to have empathy for a person who's struggling with this. So we can be empathetic and still hold to the Word of God as our authority for all of life. Yeah. So that's crucial. Um, and then it said, uh, love suffereth long. At the beginning of that, charity suffereth long. A different translation would say, love is patient. It's important for us to understand the importance of a spirit-guided patience. Mm. I, on my own, um, am horrible at this, but the Holy Spirit, uh, He's proven it in my own life. He is abundantly patient, um, and He can help us to be patient, too. Yeah, and so we mentioned this last week, but having patience and understanding that um, we can biblically model what it looks like to find your identity in, in Christ, and that's um, some. It's going to take a little bit for people to understand to have a whole change in worldview and to surrender their entire lives to Jesus Christ. I mean, that is going to need some patience from us, understanding that's not going to happen, um, that total change in mindset is going to happen immediately, you know? Yeah, and um, especially as we're talking about parenting, you know, it's something I've got to walk through daily. I get to walk through daily um, this growth in my kid's life, and it's going to take patience. This isn't going to happen when I want it to. This isn't going to happen the way that I want it to, and... Um, But we need to love other people enough, love our kids enough 
to be patient with them. And the next we can uh, minister to those, maybe in our family or friends who are struggling with this, is understand authentic community. Not just the LGBTQ community, but communities that are not church and maybe even anti-church or unbiblical. Part of the big draw is the fact that, hey, there's acceptance here. Hey, there's love here. Hey, I don't have to be perfect and I'm still um, comfortable here. And how terrible that sometimes the church is the last place that would come to someone's mind when they were looking for that. We should be the place where you're loved here and you are accepted here. Sin's not accepted or embraced here, but you are accepted and embraced here. And you don't have to be perfect to be comfortable here. That should be true. That's true for me. That should be true for everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. So we've got to understand and be willing to pursue that community and offer that community for people within our churches. And then last, um, before we get into some practical things, understand biblical truth. Yeah, we uh, a couple of episodes ago, we spent some time specifically talking about what the Bible says about homosexuality, gender, marriage. Again, if you haven't listened to that Um, Unless you already have just a very solid understanding of that, you need to go back and listen to it and then not just listen to that. Dig in. Make sure that you understand um, for yourself what the Bible teaches about homosexuality um, so that you're able to share that truth with your kids. And then as you're sharing that truth, remember your goal in sharing is to be humble, to have compassion, not to be, as the verses we opened up with, not to be puffed up and to think more highly of yourself, but instead to be loving and humble, not filled with pride. We want to share the truth, especially with our own kids. The last thing we want to do is close the door on our opportunity to have a relationship with them and influence them. When we talk about this topic specifically, I know of multiple situations where parents have lost the opportunity to influence sometimes the kids who still live in their home, but especially a kid who's moved out. And because of the parental response to this situation, hey, mom and dad, I think I'm gay. They lost every opportunity to influence their kid. Mm. So, Jeremy, what what are some practical guidelines we as parents uh, can take in in having these conversations? Let me just put this um, overarching theme over this whole concept. Um, first of all, we already keep hitting on you need to know what the Bible says. That's very important. You need to be informed yourself. Um, your opinions on the matter are only so important. What God's word says is is supreme. Um, but second of all, you're not good enough to handle this on your own. Mm-hmm. You're going to wreck this, <laughs> mm-hmm. as well as um, pretty much every other area of parenting. If you try to do it on your own, as a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He needs to be filling you when you're dealing with situations like this. He needs to be controlling you. You need to be listening to him and doing things his way. And if you're finding yourself not in that position, hey, I'm filled, uh, I'm being controlled by my flesh right now, I'm not walking in the spirit, you're not ready for that conversation, you need a break before you try to deal with this. So along with that is being comfortable. You need to be comfortable talking about this uncomfortable thing, this awkward thing with your kid. You need to 
love them enough that you're willing to put the work in to be comfortable having this conversation. Yeah, of course it's going to be awkward. Of course it's going to be uncomfortable. No one wants to have these conversations about these things, but we have to model for our kids that we can be comfortable talking about this. We want to get to a point where we are comfortable talking about it because the world is comfortable um, sending, pushing across their viewpoints on it without any hesitation. We as followers of Jesus must be comfortable in declaring what God's word has to say about this. Yeah. um, You can stick your head in the sand metaphorically and pretend like it's not a thing, but it is a thing. It's a huge thing in our current culture right now. And there's no benefit to you avoiding it because you're uncomfortable with it. This next one was that we, and by the way, I needed to mention this earlier. A lot of these practical things and advice on how to handle this and how to talk to your kids about this, um, I really received in a breakout session from um, a professor, one of my professors at Southeastern um, Seminary in Wake Forest. His name is Tate Cockrell, and he's the uh, head professor of counseling there, and he's addressed this a lot and encouraged parents in this area. So I had to give that out there, but he made the statement, instead of just changing the channel, have a conversation why you changed the channel. So he's saying, obviously, it's going to come up in things. If you're watching TV or watching a movie with your family, have the remote in hand and something comes up, you're going to need to be ready to change. But instead of just doing that, have the conversation why we're changing this, what conversation comes as a result of what just came up on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, it just fits in with what we have been pushing down your throat. Um, and pretty much every episode, these conversations need to be happening. You shouldn't just be passively viewing media. You've got to be active about it. You've got to pay attention to what's being taught. And then some, some, um, deprogramming needs to happen after you watch shows. These things need to be addressed and you need to, Accept that they're there and then address them with your kids. What would you say, Jeremy, especially as a children's pastor, on being age-appropriate in these conversations? Oh, wow. Being age-appropriate is very important, Mm -hmm. super important. At the same time, your concept, our concept of what is age-appropriate is probably skewed. If your kid is viewing media, um, watching shows, movies, videos on YouTube that have homosexual characters or talk about gay relationships, you're at that point that it's appropriate to have these conversations. Um, So either make sure your kid's not watching that until you're ready for that conversation or have the conversation with your kid. So these conversations probably need to start earlier than you think they need to start. I would say that's probably true for sexuality in general, um, but it's also true for homosexuality, gay situations. Yeah, I know. And I'm not trying to throw um, my parents under the bus, but I just remember like getting um, a book about sex and things like that when I was going into maybe middle school. And it was a, com- uh, that was like the point they're like, you need to know some things and handing me this. But it, at that point it was like, <laughs> I didn't want to say this, but it was less, like, I know all the, I've heard plenty of things about this already. You could have wrote that book. <laughs> no, I definitely couldn't have. But I, I but I could have. There was you could have was, written a book. It would have been wouldn't have weird. been accurate. But it was just like giving that information to me. Like we have, we think okay by this age, and we we know our you know your kids, but also have to understand your kids may be exposed to things earlier than you were. 
at a young age, especially when it comes to these matters of homosexuality and what's widely accepted in our culture. And, you know, it's important. uh, I talked about if they're viewing this, control what they're viewing. But it's important to remember also you only have so much control. Mm -hmm. Um, If your kid leaves your house at all, there's other influences, other streams of information or misinformation that are finding their way to your kids. And so it can't just be, oh, I've protected them from that, so we don't need to talk about it until they're in their 20s. If they're going to school, if they're going to youth group, if they're going to the children's department at church, if they're going to Walmart, there's other streams of information, and you haven't gain control of all of them. You're right. not omnipotent. Oh, yeah. There's things I heard about in a, my very conservative Christian school that I learned about from conversations on the playground with kids at my school. So, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what, uh, how shelter, a sheltered of an environment your kids have, that they're going to be around. Things like this are going to at least come up in conversation. Yeah. So, with that being said, this is happening all the time. Your kid is getting this in a lot of different settings. So they need to be getting this truth from you consistently. Mm -hmm. These need to be multiple conversations, and some of them need to be started by your kid. Mm -hmm. They need to feel so comfortable with you that if they have a question or a concern or a confusion about something in this area, that they can come to you and talk to you about it without being afraid to talk to you about it. Yeah. And, it, and also, there's going to be plenty of moments where we as parents need to take initiative. Right, Jeremy? What is yeah. that like? Because our kids aren't always going to come up to us well, with questions. And, question, with and part questions. of the way we're going to help them feel comfortable coming up to us is, hey, mom and dad already talked to me about this a little bit. And so this isn't a taboo subject that I have to be afraid to talk to them about. And when they did it, they did it in a way that expressed love and um, empathy and care for someone who might have a different opinion on this so that now if I'm struggling or if I think I have a different opinion on this or if I think I'm gay, we've already talked about this and my parents have shown love in that situation, so now I'm comfortable doing it. So it's very important that we take some initiative. Uh, Don't assume your kid doesn't have questions. They probably do. Um, Either have a question or a misunderstanding, a confused belief that needs to be corrected. Uh, So instead of waiting for them to take the initiative, it's very important that you take the initiative. And of course, in all these conversations, like we've said, be biblical. Show what the Bible says um, about marriage, about sex, about gender. Show them the warnings that Scripture gives. And last but not least, Jeremy, if you want to take this last one. Oh, this is so important. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Knee-jerk reactions are almost always bad. So this is not the end of the world. If your kid comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, I'm gay, you're going to have this swell of emotions, and one of those big emotions is going to be fear and then because and hurt. And because of that fear and that hurt, we're prone to overreact and uh, to panic. Mm -hmm. And that overreaction is either going to come across as um, way too focused on love and ignoring truth or way too focused on truth and ignoring love. Uh, So either we're going to be like, don't worry about it. I love you. 
God still loves you, everything's okay, and ignore teaching the truth, or we're going to be so focused on the truth that we're cramming that down their throat without giving them any love. Uh, The concept is, I'm taking a breath, I'm being filled with the Spirit, and I'm not, I'm not going to err on one side or the other of this. I'm going to focus on, I like in Matthew 10, 16, we're taught to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I'm focused on handling this situation logically, truthfully, and filled with love. And I'm not freaked out because here's the big answer to all of this. I'm not freaked out because God is more powerful than this. God is a present, loving God who cares about my kid more than I do. So this situation that my kid is facing, whatever their stance on it is, I know that there's a God who's bigger than that and who cares about them. So I can trust him to take care of my kid even through this. And understand that God can use you if your kid struggles with this or someone uh, in your life does, that God can use you to be that loving voice full of grace and truth, pointing them to the truth of scripture. Because it's ingrained in the thinking of our society that it's impossible for someone to escape this sin or this temptation, but it's not. That's just simply not true. Um, there's many people who have been saved out of this lifestyle. And 1 Corinthians 6.11, again, speaks to that. But there's many people who we've got to see just... Th- as one of many other temptations that our kids are going to struggle with, we God has placed us in their lives to help guide them and point them to the truth of his word. And just as we have escaped temptations in our own life, in our sanctification journey, as God has given us the, the strength through the Holy Spirit, he can do that in, in this specific area. Not only that, but sometimes a kid who comes to their parent with this, hey, I'm gay, and now I don't believe what the Bible teaches on this. Mm-hmm. God's bigger than that, too. He is. So even when they're not embracing the fact that this is a temptation they need to escape, that doesn't mean God. this is out of God's realm of control now. He can't do anything here. There are things that um, I didn't understand were sin when I got saved. And as I grew, as I read my Bible, as I walked with God, I learned, and, and, and as... A mentor spoke into my life. I learned and I lined my thinking up with scripture and he can do that with our kids in this area. So we don't have to be afraid of this. That's so good. Thanks for bearing with me with my hiccups. I hope it was not too distracting for I, you. I think you're done now. Your hiccups are gone. No, right. They're still oh, here. never mind. Okay. Sorry. Well, good. But thank you guys for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ, we have all that we need for this journey. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.